0: Hey, I'm Amy from Rebel Nutrition, and you're listening to Wealthy, Worthy, and Wild, a podcast focused on helping you live your most abundant life, whatever that means to you. From money to entrepreneurship to manifestation to wellness and beauty hacks to the occasional Real Housewives reference, if you're ready to start becoming your next level self, the future version of you who's doing, being, and attracting everything you desire and having fun while you do it You are in the right place, and it's time to start showing up as this version of you right now. Let's get into the show. Hello everybody, I decided I needed to do a separate intro for this podcast episode with Barbara because that's how excited I am for you guys to hear this episode. So Barbara is an accountant, she works for Your Tax Coach, that's her business, and she is just really amazing. I am so excited and this episode is coming out at perfect timing just before tax season. So if you haven't done your taxes yet, or if you haven't finalized them, this episode is going to give you a bunch of amazing nuggets around ways to save the maximum amount on your taxes as an online course creator specifically, which is so cool. So I actually found Barbara, (laughs) it's a funny story, when I was looking to buy my Mercedes G-Wagon and I saw a bunch of TikToks and like people on Instagram, business owners, Owners talking about how they bought a G wagon and wrote it off as a business expense, and I was like, "How are these people doing that? Like, that can't be legal, right?" But it turns out there's actually a tax code that allows business owners to deduct vehicles that weigh over six thousand pounds, and G wagons are one of them. So we get into that. I'm obviously asking her all the G wagon questions, um, but we get into so many other things as well. So if you're if you're somebody who's you know often wondered questions like, "Can I write this off?" can i write that off can i write off my clothes can i write off my trips can i write off my skincare procedures you know all the things that you guys probably see me doing on instagram and you wonder like is she using this as a business expense I ask her all of those questions so you can really get more insight into what might be a legal business deduction for you. So that's something really interesting, I think, too, and we get into it as well in this episode, is I really feel like there's so much fear-mongering around paying taxes, and a lot of people think like, oh, if you're writing off certain things in your business, aren't you gonna get audited, or aren't you gonna go to jail, or is that even legal? So it's really nice to hear from a professional giving all of the caveats around, you know, ways to make something a business deduction. And what I really like about Barbara is that she kind of asked the question, okay, you know, if you want to deduct something in your business, let's say you want to go on a business trip, how can I make that a business deduction? Because usually it's just a couple small minor things you need to do in terms of making sure you're working a certain amount of days on that vacation or making sure you're getting sort of some sort of business content while you're out there or you're networking, you're keeping track of receipts It's like all these things. So we get into all of that. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this. And just as a little disclaimer, I am not a tax professional. So please do not reach out to me (laughs) with your tax questions. Um, Definitely reach out to Barbara, but nothing on this podcast should be considered legal or accounting advice it's more educational in nature and as always if you have a question about things that might be a write-off in your business you definitely want to consult your own tax professional okay so this is just educational in nature and to get you guys kind of thinking and brainstorming the ways that maybe some things that you have been paying for out of your personal account might actually be able to be a business expense which is pretty cool because at the end of the day like we all want to save money in taxes right so we can keep more of it for ourselves and do the fun things that we want to do with it. it to charity go on more trips like use it to buy a house whatever it is that you you want to do i mean wouldn't you rather do those things than pay that money to the irs so i'm so excited for you guys to listen to this episode and last but not least at the end of the episode i'm going to be actually sharing a huge promo into barbara's course so she of course has an online course called write off your life so it's a self-paced course that teaches you guys exactly how you can write off and save a shit ton of money on taxes. So she breaks down literally everything that can and cannot be considered a business expense for your specific business, which is so cool. So, you know, if you don't have it in the budget to work with her as a one-on-one client, this course is an epic way to make sure you have all of the right info to do your taxes yourself. If you don't have the money or the budget, or you don't want to hire a CPA. So Barbara has been nice enough to offer my listeners 25% off her course which is huge you guys it's a huge discount so what you're going to do to enroll in write off your life is go to the show notes in this episode there's going to be a link to her course you can check out the sales page make sure that it's right for you before you enroll and then when you get to checkout, you're going to use code rebel so r-e-b-e-l-l-e for 25% off so again to enroll in barbara's write off your life course you are going to go to the link in the show notes and use code rebel r-e-b-e-l-e LLE for 25% off at checkout. Okay, let's get into this epic episode. Well, Barbara, welcome to the show. I am so excited to chat with you today. I feel like I'm sure you're really busy. So, number one, I really appreciate your time with tax season right around the corner. (laughs) And number two, most of my audience are like online entrepreneurs. And I feel like there's just so much confusion and even fear mongering around doing your taxes and doing them right. So, I'm really glad to have you here as an expert. Thanks for having me. Well, so I guess what we can start with, I would love to hear a little bit more about kind of your story, because I feel like you're kind of like a unicorn of accountants, because not, only, not <laughs> only do you like your business and your team from your tax coach helps prepare people's taxes, but you also help on the tax strategy side of like legally helping reduce people's taxes. So tell us a little bit about like how you got into this business and how you decided you wanted to go that kind of special angle.
1: Yeah, I kind of fell into accounting because I got pregnant in college. And so I just needed to major in something that I knew I was going to have a job as soon as I graduated. And so I picked accounting and ended up getting my master's in tax. And then when I started out in public accounting, I was at like, the number one firm in the world, you know, it's supposed to be like magical and wonderful. Like you've made it the number one firm. And I got there and I was just like, so disappointed. I'm like, this is what everybody strives for in school. You know, they really just like hound you with like, this is where you should work. And this is the corporate ladder that you should climb. And I really just didn't see them like Helping their clients. It was all just like how many tax returns they could file during tax season. And so I switched accounting firms a lot. Like, I think I worked at five or six accounting firms. And although I was still progressing, I just was like, there has to be something better. There has to be something better. And I just wasn't finding it. And so I started my own where, like, all we do is find ways for people to save money in taxes. And it makes it like way more fun because otherwise just like putting numbers on a tax return for hours and hours and hours can be really boring. So, you know, really like digging in and finding ways for people to save money just makes it more fun.
0: Well, I love that. And it's funny because before I found you and before I found your tax coach, I kind of had the same experience. Like I I kept on searching for and not that any, none of the people that I worked with before weren't great, but I just didn't feel like they had the same like creative mindset of like, okay, how can we maximize this? Or how can we turn this into a, a business expense versus just a personal one? And I feel like I would love to get into that a little bit about like, the ways that you do that legally. And because I think I pulled this actually from the sales page on your, your course, which you guys Uh all talk about this a little later. She has a course called write off your life, but it says that the internal revenue code was written for business owners. There are 7,000 pages in the code and only 12 of them tell you how to pay taxes. The other 69, sorry, 6,988 pages tell you how to get out of paying them. So it's actually like There's a lot of ways. I think a lot of people maybe, I don't know if they're not as well versed in how to use that tax code or they're afraid, but I guess, can you clear up some like myths around like you're going to get audited or you're going to go to jail and how you can actually like leverage the tax code for your benefit without feeling
1: like you're doing something illegal? Yeah. I mean, really, the Internal Revenue Code, which is what, you know, determines all the tax laws out there, it's all written really for business owners. And the reason is because, like, the US economy would not survive without business owners. So they have to incentivize us to open businesses and to create jobs and stimulate the economy because without small business, there wouldn't be a US. And so I always tell people, like, the code is there to help you, not for you to be afraid of or fearful, or like you were saying, like fear mongering of it. And so Like use it to your advantage.
0: Yeah, I feel like I I am actually really open about like income reports and stuff online. And every time I share it, I'll get like a couple comments from people that are like, oh, you better watch out for the IRS or you're gonna get audited. I'm like, that only happens if you don't pay taxes. Like there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. Like I think there's that much like misinformation around it. So I guess like, let's get into, when I asked my, my audience, like what their main questions for you were, a lot of them were around like what can be, a write-off? What can be a deduction? So first, can you just explain like what a write-off slash deduction actually is?
1: Yeah. So I'll use the example for business owners. So say you bring in $100,000 of revenue. That doesn't mean you're going to pay taxes on $100,000. You're only going to pay it on your profit, which is the money you bring in minus all of your expenses. You can have so many different deductions and say that your all of your expenses add up to sixty thousand. So really your profit is a hundred thousand minus your sixty thousand of expenses so your profit's only 40 and all you pay taxes on is 40. So the name of the game is like how many expenses can you get so that that profit number is as low as possible because that's what you pay taxes on and the lower you can get that number, the less you'll pay in taxes.
0: Amazing. And so I feel like, is it safe to say then, I mean, I guess where do you draw the line between like, because obviously you kind of want to be aggressive in like finding things that are write-offs, but you don't want to like spend more than your, I mean, I guess, does that make sense? Like, is there any sort of place you can draw the line? I'm sure it's not the same for every business owner, but is there any sort of rule of thumb of like how much you should be reinvesting, I guess?
1: Well, there's no... Rule that says, you know, you can't spend all the money that you're bringing into your business. You would just pay nothing in taxes. And, you know, all of the huge corporations out there like pay nothing in taxes because they're writing it all off, they're expensing a lot of things, and they're reinvesting it back into their companies. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you can do that. You know, the only time the IRS doesn't like that is if they can call it a hobby. But as long as you're, as long as you can prove you're trying to make money, it it won't be classified as a hobby. Oh,
0: okay, cool. I guess, would you mind, like, can we go through a couple of the things that like, I guess most business owners like might want to consider a tax deduction and you can give like the, the caveat of like, okay, it can be a business deduction if you're using it in this way type of thing. Yeah. Because I think I travel all the time. So for me, like um, hotels, flights, things related to travel are generally considered a business expense. Can you explain like how you could make that a business expense?
1: Yeah. I love travel as an expense. And I always tell people like, you're never going on vacation again. Everything's a business trip because it really can be when you're a business owner, like we're always talking about business no matter where we go. Um, And so first Come up with a business reason on why you're going on that trip. And so there's so many, you could be going there to network with people. You could be going there to meet with a prospect. So not necessarily someone that's already a client, but someone that could ever be a client of yours, someone that is a client. It could be a client meeting. It could be for a board meeting. You know, if you're running a legitimate business, you should have a board and, Therefore, you need to have board meetings, either quarterly, monthly, annually, however often you want to. Or you can have a photo shoot in that location. You know, maybe you have to go to Hawaii because you need pictures on that very specific beach. Makes sense to me. I mean, (laughs) for the gram. So there's a ton of reasons. But the rule for travel for U.S. travel is that 50% of the days have to be business related. So if you're going somewhere for a week, seven days, four out of the seven, because that's more than 50% needs to be business. And let's just use Hawaii because I already said that. So the way there and the way back automatically count as business. So that's two of your four days. Then one day you do a photo shoot There on the pretty beaches. And then another day you are meeting with a prospective client. There's your four out of the seven. And if you hit that, then your flights are covered. Your meals are covered, your hotel stay, Uber, everything except entertainment. So like, I don't know, maybe you buy tickets to swim with dolphins or something that wouldn't count.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah, that definitely makes sense. I mean, yeah, for me, even, I mean, and I think this Correct me if anything that I'm saying is wrong, because obviously you're the expert. Here, <laughs> like even a lot of like any trips that I go on, I'm getting social media content, like almost the whole time. Like I'm Insta-storing, I'm promoting like the kind of work from where work from wherever type of business model that, that I teach. So pretty much all of that is considered a business deduction, right?
1: Yeah. So if like you're if you have a way to profit off of what you're doing, then it can totally be a business expense. So like for you, if you're trying to promote the, you can work from anywhere. Um, this industry is awesome because you can do it anywhere. And so you have to show people that you actually, you know, walk the walk that could be, you know, your business reason for that. Amazing.
0: Okay. And then another one that I feel like there's a lot more gray area with, because I've really heard conflicting things about this one is clothing. Like, is that ever considered a business deduction or does it kind of like, cause I would imagine I've always heard no, but then I would imagine like nowadays, a lot of people who are influencers, let's say, or fashion bloggers or something like that's kind of related to how they make money. So wouldn't that be kind of a business
1: dedu- deduction or no? Yeah. So there's a few ways you can write off clothing, but I will say the IRS hates clothing deductions. But again, as long as you have like a good reason and you document it, you can probably deduct it. And so the few ways that you can, one would be if your logo's on it, which most of us are not going to walk around every day with our logos everywhere, but maybe, I mean, like at our last team meeting, everyone had sweatshirts with, the, your tax coach logo, but like, besides that, we're not wearing it every day. Right. Or you, if you can say that you bought the item specifically for a photo shoot. So like there's a code that says you can deduct clothing and props if it's a hundred percent for use for photos. Now that also means you're never allowed to wear that personally, how they would know. I'm not sure. That seems a little wasteful, but that's, you would have to be able to say it's a hundred percent for like content, right? Or in your example of like an influencer, like fashion influencers, for sure, like anything they're buying, cause they're putting affiliate links out there for like, they're making money on the products that they're promoting. So again, if there's a way for you to make money on it. Easy deduction.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. And that's how my question came up, is because I'm like, well, in order to make money off of those affiliate links, like in order to be effective at that, you'd want to take pictures of yourself in that item, right? So that'd be kind of necessary. So I guess yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Um, what about like anything related to like hair and makeup or beauty treatments, things like that?
1: Yeah. So so similar to clothing, if you can say that it is for photo shoots or content, things like that. So like today I recorded five or six podcasts. So I had a makeup artist come over and like do my makeup and hair because we record podcasts with videos. So like, you know, if it's, if if it's necessary for whatever you're recording or producing or photo shoots, things like that.
0: Okay. What if, here's a specific example. Um, what if you are a YouTuber and you are going to get, let's say, let's say you're like a beauty skincare influ- or, um, YouTuber. So you make money off of the revenue from your videos and you go to a new place to show off like a skincare treatment. You're going to vlog it and then you're going to monetize that video from the ad revenue. Would that skincare treatment be a tax deduction?
1: I would say yes, because again, there's a way for you to make money off those videos. But I will say like monetizing YouTube in the eyes of the IRS is a very new topic, even though it's not really new. Like there isn't case law to back it up yet. The answer might change when there is case law, but To me, it makes sense if you just look at like the, there's four rules of like, if something's deductible, it has to be ordinary, necessary, a business reason, and you have to document it. That checks all the boxes for me. Like you have to record the video of the treatment if you're going to make money off the video. So, right. That's, I mean, that makes sense to me too. (laughs) Okay. That sounds good. And then last but not least, what about meals? Yeah. There's so many ways to write off business meals. A lot of people just think like, oh, it's only if I take a client out and we have a meeting or something like that. But similar to travel, you could have just a meal to network with someone. You could have a meal with a prospective client. So like I'll use like a real estate agent, for example, anyone could literally be their client. Like at some point in someone's life, they're going to buy a house or sell a house or could maybe potentially have some sort of real estate transaction. So like anybody that they go out to dinner lunch breakfast coffee happy hour with could be a client so like they should write off all of it as long as of course we're talking about real estate but like again as business owners we end up talking about work and business and entrepreneurship anywhere we go so yeah it's very easy again just document it so like put everything on your calendar anytime you go out to eat somewhere put it on your calendar, who was there, what you talked about. So that way, in case in like five years, if the IRS asks something, you'll remember, at least for me, if it's not on my calendar, I am not going to remember who was there, what I talked about. (laughs) Same. Um, Well, I
0: guess actually going back to that, what you said about like the IRS, can you talk a little bit about like, how common it is to actually get audited. And is that something, I mean, obviously everybody I'm sure is documenting everything to the best of their abilities, but like how scared should we be about that?
1: I wouldn't be. I'm a big advocate of like, if your accountant is scared of the IRS, you should get a new accountant because you're hiring them to be on your team. Like, and they should feel like they're, that they're on your team and on your side, not the IRS's side, right? Like because your accountant's gonna be like going toe to toe with the IRS. And so you don't want them to be afraid of that. For one. But to your question of like how common is it to get audited? It's less than one percent of people. So for one, it's highly unlikely. But if we lived to a hundred, I suppose you would get audited once, according to odds. But a majority of the time, they're just gonna send you a letter first. And that's not an audit, it's just a letter of clarification, really, because all the IRS is, is like this 1980s technology that has this matching system. And if something doesn't match, it's like beep and prints out a letter. And so most of the time the IRS is wrong, but people get a letter and like freak out and they just pay it if it says like you owe something because they don't know if it's right or wrong and they just see something from the IRS and they pay it because they don't want to deal with it. But give that letter to your accountant, actually see if it's, if they're right or wrong, or if you should be paying or not paying or whatever it might be. Um, For one, it's not very common to get audited. If you do make sure you have a really good tax strategist on your team to really like be on your side. And the other thing is like people at the IRS have no accounting background. They're just government employees. And so like your accountant should know way more than agent anyways?
0: Well, that's good to know. I mean, I feel like that'll make a lot of people feel a lot better. Um, I guess, obviously, I'm sure you will link to everything in all of your services after this. But if somebody's wondering, like, if they maybe they have up until now done their taxes themselves, when is it like a certain income bracket that you feel like people should hire an accountant or just a comfortability level? Or do you think everybody should hire somebody who's a professional to do their taxes? So about six years ago, I was living as a minimalist in a tiny house, thousands of dollars in debt, never spending a dime on anything non-essential. And I just started to have this feeling like, i want more than this i want freedom to make my own schedule to travel the world to take bougie vacations and not limit myself to the cheapest food item on every menu anymore most importantly i wanted to make an impact and help tons of people all over the world without hustling or working myself into the ground maybe some of you listening can relate to this i just knew that there had to be a way to make passive scalable income while I was at the spa, and even though everyone else thought that I was crazy, I created my first online nutrition course and proved everybody wrong. Online courses are a way to provide value to an unlimited amount of people at once, in a completely passive way, meaning you could be making thousands of dollars and enrolling new students while you're at the spa, which is actually something I do almost every week now. At this point, I've helped over 2,700 entrepreneurs in all different industries like real estate, hairstyling, makeup, homeschooling, motherhood, interior design, graphic design, human design, astrology business and marketing, photography, language, social media, and so many others, create profitable, scalable, and passive online courses inside my program, Online Course Academy. To learn more about Online Course Academy, how to choose a profitable topic, how to grow your audience from scratch without ads, and how to start selling your online course passively, I would love to have you come join my free masterclass called How to Make Passive Income with Your Own Online Course. The link to join the masterclass will be in the show notes of this episode and will also be linked in my Instagram bio at Rebel Nutrition. Remember, this is a completely free class, so there's literally no risk to join but the rewards could pay off passively for years to come. See you there.
1: I think there's a place for like TurboTax, right? Like the online tax prep things. Like if you're just a W-2 employee or you and your spouse are both W-2 employees and you have no other like complexities, I think TurboTax is fine because all you're doing is putting your W-2, you know, how much taxes was taken out of your paycheck and calling it a day. Like, I think that's fine, which is why we don't even take clients like that because we're like, oh, we don't want to charge you when you can go to TurboTax for a few hundred bucks and and it's fine. But um, if you're a business owner, 100% of the time you should have an accountant do your taxes, even if you're just starting. It's not even an even if it's like, especially if you're just starting, because there's certain elections and things on your first year's tax returns that need to be made. And if they're not made, you can't change it later. Mm -hmm. Even if we amend your return, we can't change those things. It's not even really like an income or profit level. It's more of like, make sure that you're doing everything right from the beginning.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, at least from my experience, like, again, like I said, I had to kind of go through a few to find ones that I, I felt like really understood my business. I like, I feel like you guys are a little bit more like modern age for most accountants that like, yeah. a lot. Of, I mean, honestly, a lot of them, I just didn't really feel like fully understood what I did as a business. Um, So that helped a lot. And I mean, Yeah. Just like, so anyone who's listening knows you can, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think like you can actually go back and amend like three years worth of tax returns. So I'm so glad that I found you guys when I did, because you guys actually did go back and amend like my past three years. And I can't even remember the totals, but like you got me back, I think close to six figures, which is insane. Like that's so amazing.
1: So thank you by the way. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you can, People think like once you file your tax return, like what's done is done, but you can amend that for the last three years. You just can't go back further than that, at least to ask for a refund. And so like, just because it was done two years ago, don't take that for Bible. Like let, let us take a look or any other tax strategist and see if you can save money and get it back.
0: Actually, one other question that I wanted to ask you about deductions, and I know everybody who's listening is going to want to know this too. Oh. How can business owners buy a G-Wagon as a tax deduction?
1: Really, you can buy any car as a business deduction. You just have to actually use it for business, right? So, find a way. Even like online business owners are like, "Well, I don't drive anywhere, so I can't write it off." But you do drive places. You just don't realize that like you're driving to that restaurant for a business meeting or you're going to a conference or a retreat or driving to the airport to travel for business or driving to the post office or driving to your attorney's office. There's like so many places you can still drive for business, even when you're an online entrepreneur. So first thing is like, make sure that you're going to use the car for business. There's two ways or like, yeah, two ways to really write off vehicles one, I'll use the G-Wagon example. G-Wagons are over 6,000 pounds. And so if you buy a car that's over 6,000 pounds, typically it's like trucks or SUVs. Um, you can write off for 2023, it's different, but you can write off 80, 000, 80% of the cost of your car. Last year, 22, you could do 100%. So now it's only 80%. So say you bought like a $100,000 car this year, you could write off 80,000 and then the remaining 20,000 doesn't disappear. You get to take that in the next four years. So you would take 5,000 for the next four years to get to your 100K. But if you buy a car under 6,000 pounds, so maybe you want to buy like a little sports car, you can still write it off in your business. You just write it off over five years. So say it's $100,000 again. You would just take twenty thousand for five years till you get to the hundred. Yeah. A lot of times people think it's like the size of your car that, like, oh, it has to be over six thousand, but it can be under. It just takes a little longer to take all the expense.
0: I wonder if the IRS like caught on to the fact that like TikTok was blowing up people like all these business owners getting G-Wagons <laughs> showing them off I was like oh my god look you can write off because I think that's what made like you said cars over 6000 pounds there's only like a handful of them G-Wagons being one of them makes that like section 179 law or whatever specials that you could basically write off the whole thing I mean up until 2023 you could write off the whole thing in one year is that correct yeah. rather than over the course of five
1: Yeah, it is funny. Like TikTok did blow that up, but I don't know if you remember, like how long ago, probably 15 years ago, like the H2 came out, the Hummer and like everyone was buying H2s. It wasn't because they loved that car. It was because it was over 6,000. That was like the first car over 6,000 pounds. That wasn't a truck. And so like, I feel like people were doing it way even before Instagram let alone tiktok it's just it was a different kind of car back then
0: well it just totally makes sense to you. i mean the more that i learn about kind of like what you said before it's like the the tax code it's almost like an incentive system once you're making a certain amount of money it's like i'm like actually looking for things that are more expensive that i that i genuinely want and that i genuinely would use in my business cuz i'm like would i rather spend this money on a g wagon or would i rather pay this money to the irs like i'd yeah. rather have the g wagon hey. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. And yeah, I mean, I do get that question a lot too. People are like, oh, but you're an online business owner. Like how can you write off a car And for that exact reason? Like really everywhere. I mean, I don't drive that much to be honest, but everywhere I am going, it's like for a business reason. Um, yeah. I'm meeting somebody or I'm doing a photo shoot or whatever. So um, I love that. And then what about, let's talk a little bit about business owners who are like Like I said, basically everybody who's listening to this is kind of like an online entrepreneur. So let's assume that they're working from home. So business owners who are working from home and they rent their home, what kind of deductions can they, can they take or can they do versus like business owners who own their home? Is there any difference? And like, if you could just talk about those two things.
1: Yeah, they're a little bit different. Um, There's something called a home office deduction. Sometimes I still hear like people think that it's a red flag to take a home office deduction, but that it was a red flag like in the '90s when people didn't actually work from home. Now, like everyone works from home, so it's totally fine. Um, And our typical client will get like five to ten thousand dollars as a home office deduction. And so what that is is like, say you're renting and 10% of your house is your office, you would be able to take 10% of your rent and utilities and any other expenses for your house as a business deduction. So try as much as you can to like increase that percentage for business use. Like maybe you have a bathroom that is only for business use as well. So then you can increase your square footage or some people use their garage 100% for business like people that have fitness um, companies. So they have equipment in their gym that is just for for their clients or something like that. That could increase your percentage. But then say you own your house, same thing, you can still get home office deductions, but instead of like 10% of your rent, it would be the percentage of your mortgage interest. So you'll get that statement at the end of the year that lists your mortgage interest. So you would be able to take that your property tax, your insurance, your utilities, if you have like a landscaper or security system, like anything related to your house.
0: And then, sorry if you said this already, but if you, so if you own, is it the same thing? Like it's a percentage of it, of the percentage of area that you're working out of?
1: Yeah, still still the same. It's like percentage that's a hundred percent for business.
0: That's amazing. And I, I do just feel like a lot of it is about just like creatively like looking at things in a more creative way. Like we just bought this house and there's, I ended up like, I'm making multiple rooms, like different offices because I'm like, otherwise it's just going to be empty. And we don't have people come stay with us that often. So I might as well make like one, a YouTube studio and one more of like a podcasting area, because then we can get more of a deduction and it's
1: just, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um,
0: So I guess another question that I have too, that I know my audience also has is, LLCs versus S-corps. When does it make sense? Like, is it a certain amount of income that you're making as an LLC that you should switch to an S-corp? Or I guess first let's talk, can you just explain what the differences are?
1: Yeah. So as an LLC, you pay the most in taxes and there's something on your tax return called other taxes. They kind of hide it in that line, but In that other taxes, you're paying self-employment tax, and that can be up to $24,000 a year. And and if you have a spouse in your business too, that's doubled. So like $48,000 just in self-employment tax. Then you have income tax it, like your federal tax, your state tax, all of that on top of it. So it can get a little crazy. If you switch to an S-corp, you can get out of most of that $24,000 in self-employment tax. So let's just call it like a $20,000 savings or $40,000 if you're married and you're both in the business. And so you were asking, when is it best to switch? There isn't like a, you know, hard and fast rule for that, but we recommend it like once you're profiting over 40000 So not bringing in 40000 but like after your expenses, 40000 is really where you'll start seeing like the cost benefit, um, you know. The benefit be better than the cost.
0: Does it vary by state? Because for some reason I thought that like California, it only made sense to become an S corp. Like when you were profiting a lot more, or do I have that wrong?
1: No, S um, at least California is the same. There are some states that you would have to pay like a small franchise tax. If you switch mm-hmm. over to an S corp, California doesn't do that for S corp. It's the same, whether you're an LLC or S corp, so no, I would just be aware of like, I don't know, sometimes it's not beneficial for like DC or New Hampshire, even New York sometimes. Okay. More of like the East coasters.
0: Okay. And then tell me if I have this right, but when you switch to an S-corp, basically you are becoming like an employee of your business. So you're kind of taking a salary from that business profit rather than keeping all of that profit yourself. Is that a good way to explain it or.
1: So I like to explain it like say you were just an LLC or sole proprietor. Everything that you profit is, is just profit. And if you want money out of your business, you just take it as a distribution. As an S corp, you'll now have two buckets of income. One will be your salary that you're going to take from the business. Cause if you're an S corp, you have to take officer's compensation is what it's called. But then your second bucket of income is going to be distributions, just like in your LLC. And we want to try to take a lot of distributions because those are tax-free. And so I just like to explain it like now, instead of one bucket of income, you'll have two.
0: That makes sense. Um, Okay. What about having employees versus independent contractors? This is actually a question that I've recently asked you guys like a bunch because I'm always like, am I doing this right? But does it ever make sense? I mean, maybe you can explain like the differences technically between an employee versus an independent contractor, but from a tax perspective, does it make sense to ever hire somebody as an employee versus an independent contractor?
1: I don't really look at it as from a tax perspective because there's really strict rules on if you can or cannot count someone as an independent contractor. So it's more of like, what do they do in your business? Because there's a ton of rules about, can you call them a contractor or employee? And they do that because if you just pay someone as a contractor, they could very easily not report that income to the IRS, not recommended. Uh, And that's how you go to jail. But if you pay someone as an independent contractor, that's less money to the government. It's kind of how they're seeing it because they're not paying payroll taxes until they file their taxes, right? Um, And so they want everybody as employees. And so like, if you hire someone in your business and you tell them when they should work, they have to be an employee. If you tell someone... Or if you give someone any equipment, so like you give them a computer or a microphone or a video camera because they have to talk to clients or something, they have to be an employee. If they do the same work as you, they have to be an employee. So there's like very strict rules. I don't really look at it as like a tax savings because in the end, it's kind of all the same. When you hire an employee, you will pay like 8% more because you're paying half their payroll tax. But um it's more of like do they meet the requirements or not
0: okay so if you if you hire somebody and you don't control let's say where they work from or what their hours are it's kind of like these are the tasks I need get them to me by Friday type of situation then you would consider
1: that an independent contractor you actually can't even tell them when oh okay to, when to give them like when a project is due really okay and they should be able and they should they should like have other clients as well. So like if they only work for you, the IRS would probably call them an, an employee.
0: Um, What about hiring your spouse as an employee? Does that ever like, I'll just use the example with Eric. He works. I mean, he helps me with things, but does it ever make sense for me to hire
1: him as an employee or no? In the end, like in terms of just paying a spouse, it's all the same because you're going to have a deduction on your business for wages, but on your tax return, personal tax return, right? You file together. So he's going to report a W-2 of the, that same amount. And so like the net is the same, but where it does make sense to add them is because now if they're an employee and you have a 401k in your business, now they can contribute to 401k, Um I actually prefer like if they're part owner rather than part rather than just an employee cuz you could then buy them a car. If you buy an employee a car, they have to take that into their taxes, like they have to count that as taxable income. But if they're an owner, you could then buy them a car anywhere you travel, can, you know, you guys can travel together and it's a business expense cuz you're both owners. When you go on a date, you of course talk about business and so it's a business meal. So I like the the part owner a little bit better. Okay,
0: that makes sense. Um I guess one other question and I don't know this might be I don't know if you can give like a kind of rule of thumb for this but would you say there's any sort of like percentage that people so like let's say somebody makes $10,000 a month they're they're self-employed is there a certain percentage of that they should be saving away for taxes or does it kind of just depend
1: yeah, it would really depend on a few things. So, if they were making 10k a month, back to that LLC S-corp thing, if they're an LLC, they're going to be paying 24,000 more than the person as an S-corp. And so that would change the percentage that they would have to save, right? And it also depends on like how are they spending their money? Because even again, even if you're bringing in 10k, what are your actual expenses? Cuz you're only going to pay taxes on the profit. So, I think the better advice would be like, stay on top of your bookkeeping so that you know your profit. And then once you know your profit, you can put away a certain percentage for your taxes. Can
0: you say what that percentage would be? Or again, it just like, it varies too much.
1: Yeah, it varies. Like the LLC making 120, if they're single, they're going to pay like $50,000 in taxes. Um, But if you're an S Corp and you're married, you could you'd probably pay like 20,000 in taxes. Okay. So yeah, anywhere from 20 to 50,000.
0: Okay. That well, and that's why you want somebody just that's helping you with this. Because I feel like other things that I've heard and even like myself, I used to say this based on like advice that was given to me was like general rule of thumb, like save 30% of what you're making each month. And I mean, I guess that was good in a way because I always had way more than I needed, but I do feel like that's a little excessive. And like I would hope that I'm not paying 30% of
1: that. Yeah, salary. I mean, it's still a good. A good practice. Like, if you're not the best with saving money, like, oversave for your taxes. So then you're not in a bad spot at the end of the year. And if you like oversaved, then like, cool, now you have money to go on a trip or give yourself
0: a tax refund.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, invest back in your business or, you know, yeah. do something fun with it.
0: What, what do you think are the most common deductions that you see people missing out on? Or maybe it's, maybe it's like some part of the tax code or a deduction, but like, what do you see most people not taking action on?
1: I would say like having the wrong structure. So like we talked about like LLC or S Corp or even C Corp can be beneficial for some people. Um, So the wrong structure, a lot of people take mileage because they think that that's all they can take rather than like writing off their whole car. And that you know they could be missing out on thousands and thousands of dollars, not taking the home office deduction because they think it's a red flag, um, being too conservative with their meals and travel because they they can't find a way to like you know connect it to their business. So really like all the things that we've already chatted about, even like subscriptions that you probably pay for every month, like tie those into your business somehow or. Um, retirement accounts. There's a ton of different retirement accounts that can be a business expense. So like making sure you have the right ones set up.
0: Are there a couple that you like recommend people have, or does it kind of just depend like which, which retirement accounts do you like?
1: I love Roth IRAs and those are post-tax. So that won't actually save you taxes today, but they grow tax-free. And when you take them out in retirement, they're tax-free. I love those for like a long-term strategy, but for business owners, if you're just a one person show, like you don't have other employees, your spouse doesn't count. So your spouse can be an employee, but a solo 401k is great because you can put $66,000 away per year and double that. If your spouse is an employee, so a hundred and whatever that is, 32,000. dollars So that's like a huge business expense. And then even if you have more cash than that, there's bigger plans. There's like cash balance plans you can do, captive insurance. So I would say like get a really good financial advisor.
0: Okay. Amazing. Um, I guess we're almost done. Then I'm going to ask you what like one tip you would give to our audience, but this just came up as we were talking. And this is totally not based in like like the degree that you have or anything I'm just wondering from your experience like do you ever do you find that people who feel more comfortable like spending more money on maybe just whatever like end up actually then making more back
1: yeah because I think like if you're more comfortable let's say like I don't know buying a designer something. You're probably in more of like an abundance mindset than you are in like a scarcity mindset. And so I think you like open up to receive more money. And it's the same with like giving like charity. I find the more that I give away to charity, like the more money I make, not that I give money to charity to make money. It's just, I've found that like Coincidence, although it's not a coincidence, you're like, you know, showing the universe that you're ready to receive because you're letting your money flow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I completely agree. And I was wondering, I mean, obviously you work with so many people around money. So I was wondering if you saw that too. But I definitely feel like for me, I mean, I I don't know if you know much about my story, but like when I started my business, I was like so stingy. I was a minimalist. I didn't have any money, any savings. I like did everything myself for a long time until I was making a profit. And I was so scared to spend money on anything. And at the, that time, I also was really not making any money. And then over over the years, I've gotten more comfortable spending more and Investing more in my business and like getting comfortable buying things like a designer bag. And every time I do, then I make that back like multiple times over. So it's like just really interesting how the energetics of money (laughs) works. And I love that you agree with that. Yeah. Um, So I guess last question before we get into where people can find you, what would be one or a few like tips that you would give people approaching tax season? Like what's one thing that you think everybody should be doing?
1: It's so boring and I hate even like saying this, but like, think about your taxes all year round, not just in April when they're due, because like, if we can work with you all year round, we have such a longer runway to change anything or to implement things or to add in strategies than like, oh no, like it's crazy time. It's like, Oh crap. Now it's tax season. And then it's like more frantic for you as the client. Cause you're freaking out about your taxes and, and you know, there's less things we can do and help you with. So like really find someone that can meet with you quarterly and, um, really stay on top of your books too, because if we don't know your profit, then like, we can't give you the best strategies for you. We can like say generalities, but like you might think you're profiting a hundred thousand when you're actually at a loss or something, you know? So it's like really know your numbers and don't be afraid to look at them and analyze them. And I don't know, make it fun.
0: That's a really good point. I mean, I feel like it's just like one of those things, if you're a business owner, like it has to be something that you think about, like at least once a month, maybe have somebody help you or make it fun, like you said, because it feels so much better, at least to me, to feel like I have my shit together come tax season (laughs) rather than scrambling um, for everything. So. Thank you so much. I know people after listening to this are going to be super interested in where they can like learn more from you and your tax coach. So tell everybody all the places they can connect with you.
1: Yeah, I love hanging out on Instagram. So your tax coach on Instagram. TikTok is your.tax.coach. Funny story because I actually have your tax coach TikTok as well, but I forgot the password. So I had to. <laughs> um yeah, anyways. And your and Uh, check out our course as well, the Write Off Your Life course.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Wait, before you go, if you are interested in Barbara's Write Off Your Life course, it is a self-paced course that's going to teach you how to Deduct and save the most money on your taxes this year, you are gonna go to the link in the show notes of this episode to head over to the Write Off Your Life sales page. And when you click enroll, you're gonna use the code REBEL, R-E-B-E-L-L-E, for 25% off at checkout, which is amazing. You guys, they don't really do a lot of sales or promotions like this. So I feel really, really lucky that they are offering this to my listeners and i'm just so excited for you guys to be more empowered around your taxes and no longer feel that fear around oh my gosh am i doing this legally is this a write off is this not a write off like what things should i pay with from my business and what things are personal she's breaking down all of that and she is somebody who i really trust because i feel like she really really gets it in terms of online course creation she has an online course so she understands like what things can be deducted for people who have online businesses and again i'm so so excited to share this with you guys so if you want to enroll in write off your life for 25 percent off go to the link in the show notes of this episode and use the code rebel r-e-b-e-l-l-e for 25 percent off at checkout <music> Thank you so much for listening to Wealthy, Worthy, and Wild. If you enjoyed this episode or found it helpful, would you do me a huge favor and either share it on your Instagram stories and tag me Or leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to this. It helps us reach more people with this message. I love and appreciate you all so much. And remember, the most effective way to attract your desires is to start showing up as the version of you who already has those things right now. There's nothing standing in your way from feeling those feelings today. Now go have a beautiful rest of your day.